Hi, Mosaic. Uh, during this season, I often find myself just taking long pauses, stopping and imagining all that God is doing in our individual lives. But then also imagining how that's going to impact our corporate life as a church together. As Mosaic, a family, we're always in the process of becoming more and more into the image of Christ. And I get so excited about that kind of movement for us as a church because here's the reality. In American Christianity, especially over the last number of years, it's been really easy to do all kinds of church things, but never actually having the life of Christ formed within. And I believe that that's one of the things that makes us very unique as a church mosaic is we're asking the question, how do we slow down and really allow the life of Jesus to be formed in us? And so I love just imagining all of the ways that that's happening. As children, we're encouraged to use our imagination often, but as we grow old, it seems like it becomes maybe a waste of time. We lay it to the side, which is too bad because the the imagination is the birthplace of so much that yet needs to be formed. The possibility of what could become. I can remember as a kid, I'd go out on the street in front of my house and my friends and I, we'd play wiffle ball together. I would imagine that I was that great Cincinnati Reds baseball player, Johnny Bench. Fortunately, despite my imagination, I really didn't turn out to be that great of a baseball player. I eventually picked up the saxophone. I used my imagination that I was the essence of cool playing in the band Huey Lewis in the News as the saxophone player. Unfortunately, I never really became the essence of cool with my saxophone. So I kind of just stopped imagining, right? I'm sure we've all had similar experiences. But this much I know to be true, that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, the more that I've engaged my imagination, the more that I've seen beautiful results, as I imagine what would it look like for the life of Jesus, the pattern of his life to be formed in me. Both in the ways that I entrust myself to God, regardless of whatever circumstances are happening around me, but also as I grow as a person of self-giving love, a person of peace in the midst of so many games of privilege and power being played all around us. Mosaic, we've been walking through the letter to the church in Rome, a letter known as Romans. We've been walking it backwards. It's a letter that includes a narrative of peace, ultimately a a narrative of peace, how God has extended peace to all of humanity, whether it be Jew or Gentile, in and through Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. But then how, as we receive that peace and allow that narrative of peace to take shape and form within us, we begin to be a people of peace toward one another. But then also we step out into the world and become a people of peace to those all around us and say all of this is because of what God has done for us. And we're walking Romans backwards because by so doing, we're seeing how this rich theology in this letter, ultimately it's, it's meant to be a lived theology. And we really see this near the end of the letter. And so we felt like that was the best place for us to start. And we'll just walk backwards together. 
Now, as we continue our backwards walk through Romans, today we're going to begin to unpack over the next couple of weeks an idea of Christoformity. And you talk about a word of, of imagination. That's, that's a word of imagination right there. The Apostle Paul doesn't use this word in the writing, but his letter is filled with this imaginative idea of Christoformity. For instance, in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes these words, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters in Rome, I appeal to you by the mercies of God, because of the narrative of peace that God has offered to you, because of his mercy offered to Jew and Gentile alike, all of humanity, regardless of what your story or background is, by the mercies of God, I appeal to you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mosaic, in this moment, I in particular want to unpack three practices of a life of Christoformity that I believe the Apostle Paul has for us in these words right here, that we as individuals can begin to work out in our life even as we continue to move through this season together. The first practice of Christoformity is this, present your body as a living sacrifice. In Mosaic, that begins with just stopping, resting, reflecting, asking the right questions. As Garrett earlier in our video talked about what he's facing going through the season, I love how he so clearly laid out for us just the beauty in this season of slowing down and perhaps even at times just being forced to slow down and asking the questions of just, where is my life headed? To what is the end goal of my life and how are the choices and decisions that I'm making really playing into that. Such a beautiful opportunity. This is where a life of a living sacrifice begins. Stopping and asking those questions. To what have I been orienting my life around? Now the listeners of of Paul's letter here, they were familiar with animal sacrifice in which people would come to the temple and they would have their animal and the animal would be offered on the, on the altar, offered up to God. And um, ultimately, an animal sacrifice, even as Old Testament law shows us, it, it wasn't that God needed the death of the animal. But this was a representation that as this animal's life, even Leviticus, uh, in Leviticus, the law talks about the life of the animal is in the blood. So as this blood is shed, it's the life being offered up that, that was the pleasing aroma to God. And so they're getting this understanding that Oh, wait a minute, now, now my life being lived is a living sacrifice to God. Thomas Merton, the, the American Trappist monk, we had a quote of his at the beginning of our video. My life is a listening. God's life is a speaking. My salvation is to, to hear and to respond. This is what a life of a living sacrifice, this is where it begins and just asking those questions. God, where am I missing the mark? To what things am I orienting my life around 
that this isn't where a life of a living sacrifice is found. I hope for us, Mosaic, that over the summer months, we can continue to just look for opportunities to slow down rather than to hurry up and race back into all of those things that are familiar to us, that we would slow down and say, God, I'm here. I'm going to listen. What what do you need to speak? Because my continual salvation being worked out in fear and trembling depends on this, God. I need to hear from you. What do I still yet need to surrender? What do I need to lay down? What do you have to speak to me? What needs to be formed within me? Presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Saying, God, my life is a listening, your life is a speaking, and my salvation is to hear and respond. It's the first practice of a life of Christoformity. The second practice of Christoformity, do not be conformed to this world, Paul says. Now, for the Romans, this meant that they had to step back and ask some difficult questions about the things they may have been orienting their lives around. For instance, competition for honor, status, and glory, which was so prevalent in the Roman Empire. Games of power and control over others. Various idolatries that would have been at work in their life, including the idolatry of self. The idea that ultimately they possess the freedom to make their own choices based on what feels right to them, what feels good to them. And the Apostle Paul is saying, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world anymore, but instead be conformed to another world. One of the things I've loved is in the season that we've been going through, people have often used the phrase that it feels apocalyptic. And that word apocalypse has an idea of pulling a curtain back to reveal a reality that's been at work, that's been shaping us, that perhaps we haven't been fully aware of that reality. And we've agreed to that arrangement without actually really fully agreeing to it. For instance, I'll hear people say things like, man, I didn't realize how how busyness was just a part of my life, running at a frantic pace from thing to thing to thing, and believing that that somehow brought meaning to my life. They're realizing, "I I don't want to be conformed to that pattern anymore. People saying, I'm realizing how I found my my worth and my value and my self-love based in productivity rather than realizing that now that I can't be as productive as I used to be, maybe, I'm realizing that I'm already loved. I already have so much worth and value and that's where my productivity comes from. People saying, I realized I was just constantly distracting myself, constantly numbing myself from having to deal with the reality of just what's at work in my life and what's going on all around me. But in slowing down, we have the opportunity to say, I don't want to be conformed to those patterns anymore. And I want to continue to to step back and reflect and unpack what it means to be conformed to a a whole nother world that Jesus has brought into our midst. A world that's very different from this one. A world that's not based on games of power and privilege and idolatry of self and busyness and trying to be productive and finding worth and value in that. Third practice of Christoformity. Paul encourages them to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. And I believe that Paul would say, be transformed by the renewing of your imaginative mind. Get, your, get that imaginative part of your mind back at work again. 
The mind is often dominated by rational thought, but the imagination is the image-making power of the mind. The act of creating a reality that that at one time wasn't perceived, but now it can be. In the Christian faith in recent decades, Mosaic, it's been dominated by the rational mind, right? Believing the right things, getting the doctrine right. And even as Christians, we're constantly fighting one another. Who's right and who's wrong and divisions occur. Choose a side, pick a side. Where are you at? And two, the the Christian church has been dominated by... um, just playing on our emotions, right? Getting us to feel the right things for a moment, but then the feeling is gone and we're back to that same place that we were. Playing on our emotions and getting us to feel anger and fear and irritation. But we're realizing that now allowing those things to take shape and form in our life, like they're there, but those things don't create beautiful things. They don't create the new world that God is bringing about in Christ. Mosaic, we get to imagine a slow cultivation of a new world that's so different from this one by renewing our imaginative mind and embracing a life of Christoformity opens us up for so much beauty. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, the Apostle Paul, he he says this as he's writing this letter, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy, peace, hope. It's possible to be filled with these realities in this world, As we engage in a life of Christoformity, imagining the birth of a whole new world, a whole different kind of world in the midst of this one. Jesus brought this world to us, and now Jesus invites us to be participants in the cultivation of this new world, a world of joy and peace and hope because of the peace that God has brought to us in and through Jesus. Now, Mosaic, just a few days ago, we put out an announcement saying that we won't be rushing back into trying to gather as a whole church. And there are beautiful things that happen when we gather as a whole church. There's no doubt about it. But as a directional team, we felt it was really important for us right now to really learn how to engage with each other's stories and to really keep slowing down and kind of linger in this process of the new thing that God has been doing in our lives. There's no doubt that a day is coming when we'll get back together, gathering as a whole church body again, and it will be beautiful. But in the midst of, of still this mysterious unknown season that we're in, where there's just so much that we, we can't predict and we don't really know, we felt it was so essential for us to keep being the church. There's no doubt that we are still being the church, even though we're not gathering together. But so much of being the church is learning how to welcome each other into our lives. Not just showing up at a whole church gathering, but actually learning how to welcome one another in smaller groups into our lives. To say to someone, I'd like to hear from you. What is God doing in your life? What new thing has God been bringing about? How is Christoformity taking shape in your life? How is your imagination at work about the new thing that God is doing? Imagine doing that in groups of two, three, five, ten. 
in various kind of ways and on porches, on patios, and living rooms, around tables. And that's such a beautiful opportunity for us to be the church, to allow this imaginative process of Christoformity to take shape in our lives. I can't wait to hear all of the stories of things that you're hearing, the ways that you're listening from God, things that you're surrendering, things that you're laying down in order to pick up new habits, in order to pick up a new way of living, in order to receive joy and peace and hope in the ways that you can bring that into the world. It's such a beautiful thing. So Mosaic, let's engage in that together. May Christoformity become an imaginative reality in your life in this day, in the days to come this week. And we're going to continue to explore this together over the next couple weeks. Grace and peace to you. We love you, Mosaic.